How do I normally do these? Uh, you guys start with like a random little joke that you guys well, don't work on sure. at all. Sure, that's not what I meant at all. You, you know, you don't have to just take jabs at me, Alex. You know, I don't need that in my life. Just you guys are just chatting, catching up about the day, and then someone makes a dumb joke, and you're like, "Well, I guess we'll start the the, the show there." As good a place as any. Well, uh, this week we've got um, kind of not even much of a delay. I think I think this episode. Is going to come out the normal time, but I think the we, we have a Yin Brotherhood guide as the like what the the normal. I don't know what to call it. I don't want to say your episodes aren't normal, but like yours are like special presentations, and ours are like the thing Extra. that people are begrudgingly listening to because for some reason we're still doing guides despite Prophecy of Kings <laughs> coming out. So I don't I don't know what is actually your regular programming and what is extra at this point. I can't discern the difference. Uh, I mean, I sh- I certainly don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just me and Alec for this. Alec, you did an interview uh, recently with the king, the moderator of the Tabletop Simulator Discord, Philroy. Uh, can I did. you preface kind of what, what we're about to listen to? So it's an hour and like 30 minute <laughs> conversation between Philroy and myself. And I have to say that it, I, I think it was pretty great. It wasn't even so much a conversation so much as me like asking a couple questions and Philroy just going talking <laughs> for ages and it was great every single bit of it was awesome but mostly we uh, we talk about the TTS TI community which is vast mm-hmm. and awesome and there's a lot to talk about there in terms of like community management and right. how how it's grown and the changes that have been made um, and I just I I I'm so glad that I got the chance to have this interview with him because I think that there are a lot of people who are in the TI community as a whole mm-hmm. who kind of are a little sketchy and iffy about joining this giant Discord and maybe right. they've seen, you know, one random post on Reddit about how they had, you know, a bad totally. experience. And I want and I, mean, I want it, people to Yeah, after having talked to Phil Roll myself in the past, it literally takes about five seconds and you're just like completely charmed by him and it's like oh hey this guy's super great and uh i feel super comfortable maybe i should just go ahead and join up because he makes everything just like the most welcoming atmosphere ever yeah yeah and and he he and all the other volunteers over there have been putting in a lot of work lately to make that a much more welcoming place holy cow uh we played the beta table well hunter played the beta table recently and that is shaping up really great um, yeah. I, I understand there are some fun machinations coming up too on the, uh, you know, I've been getting some messages from like Mick Macmoose and Philroy, but Root, you've got the, you've got the final dates for, uh, dates and times for some upcoming streams that aren't Space Cats, Peace Turtles, but obviously there's loads of other people making content and tournaments and stuff happen over on yes. Philroy's Discord. So what do we have coming up on the radar? Yeah, I do have some juicy details, and we talk about these in a little bit of detail in the episode, but there's one thing coming up this weekend, Saturday, September 26th. It is a an eight-player team game, wow. four teams of two players, um, representing... Uh, there's one team representing basically all the Americas, really. Uh, Vision S <laughs> uh, and Mantis representing uh, the Americas. They have Duke Lukem last year's SCPT champion, and his fellow Brit, Micmac Moose, representing the UK. Nice. And then there is Manbear Piglet and Jessa Rubby. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation, but there you go. Uh, representing Australia, New Zealand. And then the last team is Olo and Defterus, representing uh, Europe and Asia. 
which is it's a it's cool. it's monumental to have this kind of a game tossed together because getting eight people from all of those various times that's literally the worst part of scheduling our tournament and so for them to yeah. do an eight player game with people intentionally spread out all over the world is like a terrifying endeavor so kudos and to everyone behind that <laughs> so i'm looking at this image that phil roy sent me and i'm realizing <laughs> that there's actually uh there are two games oh it's a split game okay they're gonna do it in two sessions right, that makes right. sense. so so people know the final dates and times the first part of the game will be streamed at uh 0700 eastern time saturday september 26th that's 1100 utc and 2100 AEST. I don't know what time zone that is, but there you yeah. go. And then it'll continue on Sunday, the following day at 0800 Eastern, 1200 UTC, 22 wow. AEST. And that's going to be on Flat Tomatoes uh, stream. You guys can definitely find links in the TTS Discord, and we'll post it on, on the SCPT Discord as well. Awesome. Uh, well, before we kick it over to your interview, Alec, because you're here hanging out with me, you get to join me on a little... So we're, we actually have... We have other uh, spoilers that are going to be in the Yin Brotherhood guide that's coming up later this week. We we spoil the Yin agent and an agenda, but we didn't really. I, I know people come around on Tuesday now specifically looking for some something, so yep. we're not going to do a faction spoil. But we do it, have a. I've got a stage one public objective for you for your Prophecy of Kings spoiler for this episode. Give it to me. Okay, give it to me right now. Populate the outer rim. Have units in three systems on the edge of the game board other than your home system. I think Ooh. this is the wackiest objective we've ever seen in terms of like mechanically. It's a thing. It's a concept that makes sense to me. But the idea that yeah. the game has finally addressed like that the edge of the game board exists feels creepy yeah. to me. Like the game is becoming self-aware and now knows that it has an edge of a game board. <laughs> It's going to be a fun one with all the like weird map shapes that people come up with now. Yeah, right. So the the homebrew community is not going to know what to do. They're just going to have to toss this objective out <laughs> because it's not going to function on like half the homebrew maps. But a super weird one, obviously cool because it directly forces a contentious relationship with somebody, right? That yeah. that excluding your home system means okay, I can do my two neighboring systems, but then I got to go park next to one of my other neighbors or like go through a wormhole to the other side of the map or something i mean it's, th this is a forced contention <laughs> for, for yeah this point. and it's 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 cool to kind of pull attention on the game board away from mechatol rex right. a little bit because that's where people tend to kind of push all of their you know influence yeah. and, and units towards the center well and so it's going to be, cool. be so funny to see games where two uh, systems adjacent to Mechatol Rex. Like, if the first two objectives are this and two adjacent to Mechatol Rex, there's going to be this weird dance of everyone like, so you going in or are you going out? Which Who's going to yeah. go in and who's going to go out? Because if you're going to go in, I'm going to go out. And, <laughs> I, and, and I'm, it's, I'm... It, it does sound like there's an important uh, piece of that, that it is a little bit different than uh, Intimidate the Council and that it says units, if I remember. True, yeah, yeah. Correctly. Have units and three systems on the edge of the game board. So that can, you know, mean people sharing... Uh, planets together right. or someone having a planet and someone occupying the space stuff like that will be possible yeah, totally true yeah you could you could share that two planet system with your neighbor just to get the point out of the way that's a good point cool well awesome root thank you for for kind of preface setting everything up for us and thank you for the interview we're about to have i'm i'm pumped to listen to it you you recorded it and 
th- threw it to us so fast. I haven't even had a chance to check it out myself. So I'm literally yeah. going to th- like review it before it I post it. I know you, uh, you've been very excited. I was very excited. You know, you, you were, we, we'd been talking about who else to get on the show and I've been desperate to have Phil Roy be a person just cause I know he's got a lot to say about community management and all that. So let's just kick it over and hear it from the man himself. Welcome to Space Cats Peace Turtles Fireside Chats. Myself and a guest from the SCPT community will discuss Twilight Imperium, board gaming, and strategy. Grab your favorite drink in a Snuggie and settle in. I'm your host, Alec Keeler. Let's get started. Hi, Phil. How are you? Hi, Alec. How you doing? I am hot and smoky. And it's yellow outside because I live in California and it's on fire. I'm in the wonderful Midwest where uh, we're we're having our first week of pre-winter because Uh, it does this every once in a while. It just gives you two or three days of whatever season is coming just to say, hi, I'm coming. Yeah, and then real winter will come and everything will freeze over. I remember Central Illinois winters well. Yep lived here all my life so for our listeners you are phil phil why why am i talking to you who are you to the community i am the senior one of the senior custodians on the tts discord for uh for playing ti4 we uh we host uh raptor and and his mod for playing ti4 on tts and uh, we're a popular place for folks to come and learn to play TI4 and to play lots of TI4 online, uh, especially right now with all the, the pandemic and COVID stuff going on. We've, uh, we've been through an explosion of growth, understandably. Yeah. yeah, you absolutely have. I remember towards the beginning of this pandemic happening, uh, I was just finishing up my coding course and I was kind of uh, stepping back into TI and I looked at tabletop simulator servers one day for TI4 and there were not just 10 or a couple dozen there were like dozens several dozens of games going on at once it was crazy I somebody quoted to me that they went looking and they saw 103 instances of TI4 going at one time I yeah, don't know that if that's true me. but that's what I was told yeah, I, I'm not surprised by that at all. So uh, we're going to, just for a quick rundown for, for people listening, we're going to talk about a few things coming up here. Uh, first, of course, we're going to talk about community management and, and how things have gone with the TI Discord and, and what the future holds. Um, and then we're going to kind of transition from that into talking about leagues and tournaments and, and community engagement kind of stuff. Sure. And then... Yeah, and then and then we're going to move from there into uh, another passion of yours, uh, which is game design and uh, homebrew. And we're going to kind of talk about game design and game balance a little bit, stuff yep. like that. No worries. Yeah, it's uh, I, I might know a thing or two about community management. It's uh, I've actually had a couple of people pop into the Discord and ask me questions about it because they were starting their own communities and wanted to know what the secret was. I told them that the number one rule was you have to have a great game. If you have a great game, people will come. Then the trick becomes having good people to help you run the Discord because then people want to stay instead of just yeah. leaving. So, yeah. And that's pretty much the nuts and bolts of it. Good people and a good experience and a good game equals people come and they don't leave. And sometimes I'm more successful at 
doing that than other times, but hey, I'm trying. I do what I can when I can, and <laughs> I know it needs doing to the best of my ability. All right. Well, that's the secrets of community management. Thanks for joining us for the podcast. That's it. <laughs> See you next time. Oh, there's far more to we get into <laughs> on that one. That's the that's the the ten second. I'm talking to a colonel in the army who's asking me how something works and not actually getting into nuts and bolts like I would with another person. If you didn't if you didn't know that about me, I'm I'm in the military, so I uh, sometimes yeah. throw those military things out there. So Alec, if I say something that doesn't make sense to you. Ask me about it and I'll explain. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of community management and stuff like that, there are some questions that I like to ask all of my guests to kind of help people learn what kind of TI player you are. Uh, The first question on my list is, what is your favorite board game that isn't Twilight Imperium and why? You know, and I, I... I hemmed and hawed over that question, and I think when I was thinking about it, that was probably the one I took my longest to even begin to formulate an answer for. Because the reality is is that I've played so many different games of so many different kinds, and with my interest in game design, um, I have this habit of liking even flawed games. Games that are not good just because they're good examples of bad mechanics or something that doesn't work right, because bad examples sometimes illustrate things better than good ones. Um, sure. But I've, you know, I, I for years, I mean, I, I grew up playing tabletop battle tech. Uh, we converted that one to using eight inch tall robots in my living room very, very quickly with, with uh, tape measures and all kinds of stuff. Um, That's awesome. We did, you know, I was playing and dogfighting with, uh, with the Starship Enterprise against cloaking birds of prey on, on in my living room with a 3D, true 3D conversion with these weird manipulated, articulated stands. Long before FFG ever thought about putting out a, a Star Trek game on the on the tabletop. And, uh, you know, but I've, I've dabbled in RPGs. I'm, I'm not consummate. I love running paranoia campaigns which is a, a kind of a niche RPG, but uh, will mean something to some folks out there. And, uh, you know, grew up playing Hero Quest and, and that kind of stuff. And, uh, but, you know, I'm not afraid to play a, a good Euro either. Um, I have kind of a reputation in amongst the, the local gaming group that I play with because they, uh, they tend to like a lot of Euros. And mm-hmm. I'm known as the guy who comes up with the weird engine that, makes no sense but somehow i end up scoring really really well like uh, when we played viticulture and i made one bottle of wine and i came in second place and it was close the guy who won beat me by like three points i don't know anything about that game but it sounds impressive from the way you say it it's it's a game that's all about making wine you're you're (laughs) buying fields you're planting grapes you're doing all kinds of stuff and I didn't run a, a traditional vineyard. I ran an amusement park. <laughs> and That's fantastic. I, I made one bottle of wine so that I could say I really was a vineyard. Yep, and it all keep worked it out. Legitimate. Perfect. Uh, uh, so you, you mentioned liking uh, or enjoying some games that people might consider bad uh, if they're like, if they have a good instance of a cool mechanic. What's an example of a game like that? Over on my bookshelf right now, um, I've got a copy of Supremacy. And Supremacy is 
it was back in the in the eighties when it was released, and the, the actually I think it out when I was back to the late seventies. Looking at the the artwork in it, I'd have to look it up on Board Game Geek, but it predated me, uh, and I grew <laughs> into playing it. But I've held on to it because it has little wooden mushroom clouds that always intrigued me, because. <laughs> Literally, you could nuke the world, and when you nuke the world, everybody loses. And that was a game that somehow invariably, it just, it always boiled over, and next thing you know, so everybody was throwing nukes, and everybody lost. Um, Diplomacy would be another game that's on my shelf that I consider to be a flawed game. People talk about the, the you know, the negotiation meta and, and mechanics and stuff that goes on in a TI4 game, and... And mm-hmm. so people mention diplomacy all the time, but I consider diplomacy to be a very good, a, it's kind of a flawed game in mechanical sense, because the reality is, is you have one choice. You either tell the truth or you don't. And as soon as you don't tell the truth, you're, you're done. You, you've lost all integrity in the game. So it's literally everybody sitting around the table with, with you know, a metaphorical gun in their pocket that has one bullet. You get one shot sure. to make a decision. So most of the games and you know the decisions that you're making are kind of mechanical when you get down to it. You're either you okay. know you're setting up an alliance and you're working along and you're just working it through to its logical conclusion till at some point there can only be one winner. And you so it's all just becomes a guessing game for who's going to pull the trigger when and who who guesses at the right time to pull the trigger and become the solitary winner. Sure. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna push back a little bit on that point. I think actually I I've played quite a bit of diplomacy uh, back in the day before I learned about TI, um, and I was definitely the type of player at that time who would lie and manipulate and scheme a lot. And one of the things that I found, at least with the group of people that I typically played with, was that. Even if you do pull that trigger early and, and lie to someone and try to, you know, stab them in the back, um, I, I do think that there is a way back from that. And yeah, the way I saw it was always that you every player acts in their own best interest. And sometimes your best interest is to realign yourself with someone who, who betrayed you. And, and I think that the key to that is not just betraying someone for the heck of it, um, but like when you when you have to lie to someone or when you have to backstab someone make it so that it's an instance of like you clearly have to do this it's just the the right play and i i I, and i'm totally willing to believe that that is your experience um because one thing i have learned in all my years of playing games is that experiences vary so yeah Yeah, i could totally see a group that that handles that well i mean there is a reason that Diplomacy was Henry Kissinger's favorite board game. If the, yeah, if, and it's it's the type of game where where like a, a local meta or a group meta can definitely shape your experience with the game. Sure, there are other games that I, I enjoy that are kind of flawed games that I look at them and I. <laughs> but then, hey, you know, I've got great games like Hero Quest that I absolutely love. That you know, no one can argue that it isn't the best board game of all time, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, so moving on, Phil, what? What would you say attracts you the most to the board gaming hobby? I, for me, it's it's twofold. You know, I I enjoy the social nature, getting out and being with people and doing stuff. Um, for as 
socially a, a, a and people oriented job that I have in the military that I do. Um, I'm actually an introvert of sorts. And, uh, and I, so I enjoy being social in, in determined and, uh, measured amounts and, and board sure. gaming does that. You know, I get together with a board game group, we hang out for a couple hours, we play games and I get to go home because I'm yeah. drained. I, I have no energy left at that point. And it's not that it's, you know, a bad thing. It's just, that's the way my biochemistry oh, yeah. works. Yeah, I feel you. As an introvert myself, uh, I, I totally get that. Like, the, you have the amount of time you're willing to spend around other people is like a currency. And once you've spent it, you, you're you just, you're you're out. You're wiped out, yeah. yeah. And so it's it's great stuff, um, you know. So I love getting out. I love playing games. It appeals to that creative side. My personality is one where I'm, you know, like you said, uh, you know, earlier I mentioned uh, in the pre-show we were chatting for a moment. I said, hey, in, in college, I majored, majored in ceramics and I minored in computer programming, which is, as I phrase it now, I majored in creativity and I minored in methodical thought. Um, it's a and, unique combination, to be sure. You know, but it's, it's it, to put, phrase it another way, I, I majored in, in forest management and I, and I minored in taking care of trees. You know, as opposed to looking at trends versus details. And, uh, you know, the board gaming world, it's kind of a combination of the two. And, and with my interest in game design, it's, you know, I'm, I'm looking at details, rules and components and stuff. But really, I'm, I'm working with the trees in order to build a, a healthy forest and to, to find a great game. And sure. so I, I enjoy getting out and playing games and seeing how those systems work not just within the game but within the people around me and and what kinds of games attract different kinds of people and you know doing the dming stuff for me it was designing a game that everybody was going to enjoy and putting something yeah. together that everybody's going to enjoy and how do you do that and how do you make that happen so that that makes the creative side of my brain twick and uh move through things and uh you know, have you, it works. Have you found with your wide experience, like uh, with with all these different types of games, have you found that any particular type of game attracts a certain type of player that you don't like playing with? I I, I don't know. I I can very definitely say that there are groups of individuals that I play with that I would not invite to other gaming events that I'm going to. Um, sure. You know, the crowd that sits around enjoying uh, you know, telestrations or um, you know, pandemic legacy tends to not be the crowd that wants to go play chess and go. And I know I'm saying this and there's going to be a mazillion comments saying I love all four of those games. <laughs> and I yeah, say, I'm right sure. there with you, brother, because I play all four of those games too. Yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're, but there, there are, are definitely, definitely times when there's like a group of people playing a certain type of game and you're, you just, you can you can tell sometimes that, that you know, some people just aren't going to be interested in a different type of game for any number of reasons. Yeah, and, and it's not... And, that's something that plays into even when we get to start talking about discord management you know one of my roles on the discord is 
I get to deal with the quote-unquote problem children. A lot of it boils down to different personalities that are just oil and water and just don't sure. mix. And neither person is really in the wrong. It's then I have to figure out how do I design a community that is safe for everyone to play. Right. And yeah. that's a tricky that is, that is a, that tough is a tricky question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so looking for a little bit of introspection here, not that you haven't been doing that already, but uh, <laughs> to continue on that sort of train of thought, what kind of a player do you think you are? Oh, I... I can be very, I have moments of cleverness and brilliance and moments where I just go straight for the memes and moments that are based more about manipulating the table meta and the humor and the energy around the table than it is necessarily about, you know, scoring my points for victory. Um, sure. Because for me, the way I'm wired winning the game is everybody had a great time playing. I mean, yes, the object of the game and the object of TI4 is to score victory points and to win, and everybody loves to win. I enjoy winning. I enjoy the times that I do win, but I will also freely admit that my win rate is way below 17%, which would be one out of six games, because, you know, theoretically, everybody, you're playing with a play group that's all the same skill level, and you would win one out of six games, right? Sure. Yeah, well, my win rate is not 17%. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've personally watched and viewed and spectated many TI games in the last couple of years, and I, I've only seen maybe a couple of games with you in them. Um, yeah. But I, but I do feel like, from what I can remember watching of you, that that fits very well. That you can kind of be very like quiet and contemplative while you're like formulating a plan, and then you just go with the plan whether it's whether it's going well or not you're like this is this this is this, the fun plan i came up with and i'm sticking it through to the end hey i'm just gonna see how this this explodes in my face for all yeah. lack of a better term yeah and and then there are lots of times where i'll just be sitting there quietly and in my game group and this goes beyond ti4 but other games too i'll just be sitting there and all of a sudden i'll just get real quiet and i'll just kind of whisper oh this is gonna be glorious <laughs> and pretty much simultaneously, everybody around the room just suddenly their eyes get big. Uh oh, what's he oh, getting God. ready to pull? <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, so I, I have a habit of pulling off stuff, you know. And a friend of mine, uh, Dave, years ago in high school, uh, we used to play a lot of war games together and tactical games and. And he usually won because, uh, once again, I have that weird erratic streak where I'll just try strategies. And he said, yeah, Dave Turner, you said, yeah, I finally figured out how to play against you. When I play against you, I have to be ready for anything and everything uh, because you will do weird stuff. <laughs> and if I'm not ready to handle it, um, yeah, you'll either win gloriously or die trying. And uh, and it's true. I, I will I will pick a strategy out and I tend to not pivot much if it's working it's working if it doesn't working yeah the military side of my mind I tend to have one course of action that I'm sticking to or trying to but <laughs> I, am think, I am I, I am thinking about an alternate course of action or, or a possible response to if you know the military training in me says hey what is the worst thing that could happen to me right now 
let me make sure that I do something to mitigate that worst thing happening. So that way that worst thing doesn't happen and I'm, you know, not kneecapped out of the out of the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But outside of that, you know, I'm I'm just like I said, I'm there to enjoy the game and to, and part of my win is everybody enjoying the game. So if I'm yeah, running away sure. as a leader, I, I would much rather it be a a close knife fight at the end with everybody at eight, nine, and ten, you know eight and nine points fighting for that tenth than to be sitting on ten and everybody else is on four. That's no right. fun. That's no yeah. fun for them. It's not fun for me. Yeah, I won, but it, it was no fun. Right. I, and the the longer I've played board games and games in general, really, um, the more I've come to embrace that same philosophy that and ensuring that everyone at the table is having a good time is, is really the most important part of board gaming you know if I, I I play one game of TI4 with somebody you know they're a newbie I, I've played lots of games if I lose that game and they are hooked you know now I'm looking at yeah. being able to play five or six more games with them and maybe I will get my win rate up to 17% uh, <laughs> But I don't care if I lose the first one because somebody else has fallen in love with it and is going to come back. And, and I get to I get to play more games. That's the win for me. I get to play more games in the future because somebody else had a good time. So what would you say is the biggest challenge that you typically face in a, in a game of TI? Oh, you know, like I, I kind of started to say there, you know, I'm, I'm evaluating my, my board position. I'm, I'm trying to math out and plot out my, my path to victory, as it were, trying to find those, those critical two flexible points that, that put you into being able to make a push for victory. Cause it's, it's really, that's two critical points. I, I mm-hmm. cause you can get four or five you know, round ones and two of your threes are your secrets and you're pretty much guaranteed to have to do a, a two-pointer. So that leaves two points left over. So you got to come up with two flexible points somewhere. It could be your your extra first, you know, one-pointer. It could be extra secret. It could be, you know, shard of the throne. It could be a support for the throne. It could be the custodian point. It could be an imperial point. But you got to find those two flexible points to put yourself into just the heck you know to put yourself in into the into a competitive position to win right yeah. and uh so i'm thinking about all that and and trying to figure out how i'm going to do it and what secrets and and what objectives might be coming up and how i can kind of pre-position myself to be able to score those if they do show up um and and trying to balance do i do i need to throw some of my time and effort and energy into into teching right now or do i need to throw in the resources to grab the, the trade good so that I don't fall behind in the trade good, you know, with the trade good victory point that's sitting out there or sure. whatever, you know, I'm trying to balance all that and then trying to think about, well, Hey, where are all my neighbors at in terms of their path to victory? Can I do something that is beneficial to myself and not to, and this is my favorite play. I'm not looking to block them or stop them. I just want to, inconvenience them enough to delay their scoring at that point by a turn because then you know i'm not i'm not outright getting you know into a conflict with them and they're not you know there's no they don't feel like i'm deliberately maneuvering against them but i would love to just kind of oh happenstance it's going to take them an extra turn to score that victory point that they were counting on well now i'm you know setting myself up to maybe be able to hit that 10 point first because they're going to hit the round after 
Yep, because now suddenly you're, you're a round ahead of them in scoring if they haven't prepared to score all, you know alternative points for sure. And and then invariably I I just find some play that's just going to be hilariously fun and lighten the mood and everybody's going to laugh about. And I end up doing that instead. <laughs> <laughs> So what is my greatest challenge in TI4? Um, being me in TI4. I am my own worst enemy on the table. All right. Yeah, no, that's that's fair <laughs> enough. When you're when the desire for fun hijinks kind of get in the way of doing maybe the technically correct thing. Yeah. And, I can see and that. don't I don't want to sound make it sound like I'm a clown at the table. No, no. This is this is very much a a measured thing because Sure. My yeah, it's not like you're making plans that are just wild and you know, like chaotic. You're you're making fun plans to get to where you want instead of boring plans to get to where well, you want. Well, and fun is a very relative term. What is fun for me sure. is not necessarily fun for you and may not be fun for the other four players at the table. So my definition of fun is flexible in that I am looking for what is the fun that this table is going to enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, for example, I you know this past week the uh, the Aussie Discord, one of the guys over there hit me up and said, hey, you mind making us a couple of maps? And, uh, you know, because we got a, an invitational tournament or an invitational game going on this weekend, and we'd love to have, you know, some, some new quality maps that nobody's seen before. So I said, sure, sure. no problem. So I made a, a wonderfully highly balanced, very competitive Space Cats, Peace Turtles tournament worthy map, and I called it Gnome. And I passed it over. And he's like, hey, this is awesome. This is perfect. And then I said, hey, and this is my funny side showing up again. I said, hey, what do you say? I give you a second map that you can show them first just for the laugh. And I made the most absolutely worst, awful, most imbalanced map that I possibly could. It's, it's not even a map. It's a meme. And uh, I, I called it Dirty Doggo. And I passed it over to him and... You know what game that you know which map they decided to use for the game this weekend? Oh You're no. You're playing Dirty Doggo. Oh. Those poor <laughs> I, souls. But again, it's their personality. They love a fight like that. That is that is the kind of a game that they enjoy. And they looked at the two and they said, "You know what? We're going to enjoy this map more. We know it's bad. We don't care. It's what we want to play." <laughs> so they are and they are That's cursing cool. up a storm and, and bemoaning <laughs> the map and whining and loving every minute of it because that's what they enjoy. So, that, you know, yeah, yeah, crafting something that is the right for the group is hilarious to me. You know, do you do you ever like how well would you how, how good do you say would you say you are at sitting down at a table of strangers and assessing how serious of a game they want or how goofy of a game they want and like finding the right balance for the type of fun you you would like to have at the, in the game reasonably sensitive um in the military and uh, i don't need to wander in it too far but i work in the in, in the military chaplaincy um i'm not a chaplain myself i'm an enlisted guy um, I'm the guy who keeps the chaplain safe because he doesn't carry a gun and, into battle. I keep him safe and help him out along the way. But it's a great deal of chaplain-related training that I go through. And sure. a lot of it is focused on people and taking care of people. 
and responding to events and reading people and figuring out what they need when they don't even know what they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, suicide intervention work. Um, I Quite often the chaplain is out talking to troops and I'm out there with him talking to troops. We're finding problems that are not being solved. We're, we're getting people connected to, to IG or JAG or other specialty folks who can help them to solve real world problems. Um, we had a, an example of a, of a soldier recently who had gone AWOL from drill and uh, we're trying to figure out why. And finally, you know, we'd gone to, to- talk to him and uh, chaplain had talked to him and had come to find out that it was because the armory that he was assigned to was in a bad neighborhood of Chicago and to go to armory and to the armory and report for drill he was crossing street gang lines and uh put in, literally putting his life in danger to go to drill potentially um because he 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 was associated indirectly through his siblings one of the other street gangs in chicago that was not on good terms with the gang that was in you know had sure claimed the the territory around the armory as their turf that is you know we worked it out we got it solved he's going to drill he wants to be a good soldier he wants to do what he's got he just figuring it out when he you know he's having trouble expressing that because he doesn't want to be made fun of sure yeah for that kind of a reason the reality is yes he's putting his life in danger but we're soldiers that's what we do People aren't necessarily understanding that. It's like, hey, you you signed a paper, you raised your hand, you you took the oath, show up for drill, you know? And my job is to help people find themselves and and take care of them and to remind other people that people are people and people need to be taken care of. Um, I I, sometimes I use the, the analogy that uh, you know, if my chaplain is a good shepherd, and I'm his sheepdog, and I am <laughs> equally happy laying down with the lambs in the field, standing watch in the middle of the night, curling up by the fire with the the, the shepherd's kids, you know, by the fireplace, mm. or hunting down and wrestling with wolves in the dark if I need to. So I my job is very people oriented. It's what I do all day long is meet new people and talk to them and try and suss out what's going on. And not to say that the awesome. people I'm gaming with are have problems or anything, but that, that kind of that eye and that intuition and that intuitive read yeah. is hardwired into me at this point. Absolutely. So, um, so a little follow-up to that. Do you find that it's harder to do that online, like playing uh, games on TTS? To an extent. I mean, it's... You, you, you get a lot of information. You don't necessarily get a lot of communication. Sure. Uh, when yeah. I deployed and I was in Afghanistan, you know, soldiers were coming in all the time with relationship issues. And you start talking to them and it's like, well, I got this text from my wife. I got this text from my girlfriend. And it's like, ho, 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 hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stop with the digital communication like that. Come to my office at 2.30 in the morning. I'm going to get you on a phone. We're going to call back to the States. I'm going to have the military switchboard operator connect you through to your house. And you're going to sit there and talk to your wife for 10 minutes. 
Give me 10 minutes of actual phone conversation with your wife, and then we'll we'll see where you're at with your relationship. Yeah. And 10 minutes of just actual voice-to-voice communications, real communication. And it was, oh, no, that's not what I meant at all when I sent that text. Oh, yeah, that's the way it sounded. Oh, wait, that, you know, and it just totally different read, different situation. Sure. And, you know, online, you run into a lot of things, too. And it's, it is a balancing act because there are studies have shown you can do lots of reading online and find examples of it and here, there, and all kinds of psychology stuff. People have a tendency to, not everyone, but many people have a tendency to misbehave and do things online that they would never do in real life. Yeah, the the, um, the extra anonymity that the internet affords can can certainly bring that out in people. You know, uh, a classic example would be you talk about the the toxic environments that you see in some of the online first-person shooters. Uh, Rust was a very famous, notorious one for a while for having just an absolutely toxic, nasty environment. And, mm-hmm. and just people were just downright mean to each other. And things that they would never do in real life to another human being, they were willing to do online in a digital simulation. And yeah. so when I when I get into running a community... I want to avoid that. I want a community that people can show up and play great games and have quality games mm-hmm. and enjoy their time. And yeah, so, I, I, so I want to have be a positive experience. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's dive into community management, and uh, we're we're gonna we'll definitely get to positivity and and player behavior and stuff like that. But first, I I'm curious because um, I don't think I even know this story. How did it come to be that you are like the owner the possessor uh the admin of the primary tts ti discord channel well uh i saw a post on reddit that hey this ti4 uh discord is popping up because somebody finally released a mod to play it on tts this is awesome but you know let's get in here and and organize some games because it'll probably be easier to do it on discord than on the server so i hopped in the uh on the tts discord and actually it's a Little known fact, but if you go into the TTS Discord and you go to the the new arrival section, and you scroll all the way up to the top to the very first entry, and I'm the very first entry, and I believe Matt is SCPT Matt is the second entry on that list, so he was number two and I was number one. But I, I so I was I was one of the first couple of people. I can't guarantee you that I really was the first first, but I'm the first that we still have a record of. Sure. Um, because obviously, you know, Turveyor, uh, he's he started the Discord. He still owns it. He's okay. in Norway. Um, uh, so he and uh, he's he's our absentee landlord, so to speak. I and, see. Okay. Uh, there there are reasons for that, and there was some discussions that I know that I was part of early on. Um, that I still abide by those rules and those covenants that we created back then for how we we would operate the discord but i don't even necessarily know that a whole lot of other folks are aware of that i'm i'm still in the back of my head still making sure that i abide by those bylaws um <laughs> and and for but, anyone who doesn't know this particular user is i think the primary mod on the uh twilight imperium subreddit as well right he's the primary active mod um sure. there he does not own the subreddit Mm-hmm. But he, so there are some things that he has trouble with, 
Um, the guy gotcha. who actually owns the Reddit right now has been, my understanding is, I'm going to investigate and see if it's true or not. So hearsay, rumor, uh, but he's kind of inactive and isn't around necessarily a whole lot. So Terraveyor is, is doing the heavy lifting right now. But uh, yeah, he's doing the heavy lifting over there and he's busy with all that. So he leaves the yeah. discord to me. Uh, <laughs> and I um, and I do and I do share the the head custodian position with uh, David uh, from down in Texas. Yep. And uh, uh, I I very much consider us to be co-equals. We okay. both have an equal say in anything. If if he ever pops up and has an opinion on something and and says, "Hey, let's not do this. Let's do that." Okay, let's let's look at doing it that way then, because he's. He's equally uh, equally the head custodian like I am. Sure. In uh, in terms of how I function it, see it functioning these days, um, I I rely heavily on on my moderators and and counsel. Uh, yeah. Or the other uh, co-admins. Yeah. The, they, the uh, community has grown quite a lot, so I know that there are even just in the last six months or so, you've kind of brought on a lot of people to take on some more responsibility. And to just kind of share the duties so that, you know, I'm working with an all-volunteer group. So Yeah, yeah. In case anyone's wondering, uh, Phil and everyone else does not get paid anything at all to help no. manage thousands of people. <laughs> no, we do it for the love of the game and and love of the community. Um, but, you know, it's I, I rely on them to help me run things. And mm-hmm. I, I view them as running stuff, and it, we I put stuff up for votes. So I'll I'll get opinions. I I view myself not as the director necessarily. I am the veto person. I will say no, we're not going to do that. Let's find a different solution. And I do a lot of talking to folks and gathering information and building consensus about how to handle things. To say, hey, this is I think the way we want to do it. This is why. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Let's come up with a plan of attack that makes sense. So I do a lot of consensus building, and then they go, "Yeah, let this makes sense. Let's do this." And I go, "Okay, now now they said yes. I don't have to say no. <laughs> Let's do that." <laughs> and, I, and then we we put it into place. So I I view it very much as they run things. I have a veto if needed, but I try not to use it because I much rather build a consensus so that we're all moving the same direction anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I want to talk about a little bit what I kind of would perceive as the biggest issue that a large Discord server faces. And this, I don't necessarily think that it's a big problem for the, the TI Discord, uh, but just in general, yeah. people can join as a new player or a new Discord user and have negative experiences for any number of reasons, whether they... Uh, jump into a game and have a negative experience uh, with the other players for one reason or another, or maybe they are just asking questions in the Discord chat and someone answers their question who has answered that question a hundred times and gets snappy with them. How do you and the the rest of the mod team, like what are the, the steps you guys take to try to mitigate that negativity as much as you can? You know, my my leadership training with my time in the military says that you have to set an example as a leader. You know, it's one of the the core axioms that I had drilled into my head as a as a young PFC by a, a staff sergeant that I knew 
and private uh, first great, class for anyone wondering. Yep, a, a young new enlistee. Uh, as he said, hey, remember that you manage things, but you lead people. So I, I manage the I manage the Discord, but I, I I'm called on to lead the community, and sometimes it's as simple as, hey, I you know I ask other people to to help teach learn to plays, so I go out there and I teach learn to plays myself. I ask people to greet people when they they come into the Discord. So I make sure that when somebody pops in in the in the new arrivals channel, that I I stop and say hello to them. Uh, if somebody asks a question, even if it's a question that I've answered a hundred and fifty million times, I I will do my best to answer it seriously because in the back of my head I know that for them, for me it's routine. It's every day. It's boring for them. This is a genuinely a new question. Yeah, and they genuinely don't know. So I'm going to do my best to answer it. I, I spent, oh, this is, we talked about, you know, how I've done so many different things at different mm -hmm. times in my life. I spent seven years working on an ambulance in Chicago. <laughs> and That's going to give you some thick skin. Thick skin, but at the same time, with my military training and what I did in the military, I had a reputation on the ambulance for being very, very good with working with patients and talking to patients. In seven years... I didn't have to retrain, restrain any psychiatric patients. I, I never had anybody die on me. I, I had about as amazing an example of an experience on an ambulance in Chicago as you could ever have I, in that regard. But my thing was I was always very good to stop and talk to people and recognize what was going on. Say, hey, this is what's going on. This sucks. We'll get you through it. This is what we're going to do. If you have any questions, ask us. We do this all day, every day. For us, it's routine. We won't necessarily stop to remember that this is new to you. So please ask questions if you're confused or unsure about something or whatever. And I will do my best to stop and, and explain to you what's going on as best I can. That's an attitude that's just stuck with me even into the Discord. I have new people coming in. You know, for I there's a part of my brain that says, hey, you're the... 112th person to join today welcome and for them they're going what is this new magical world i just found that confuses me i i don't know what i'm doing because there's like i look at the channel list and there's like 50 lists or 50 channels and i i have no idea where to go or what to ask so you know hey let me yeah. let me let me answer those questions and get you pointed to some good places to start yeah and, and i i want to say that uh, Every now and then, I come across comments on like Reddit or something about how somebody had a, a negative or bad experience on the Discord the one time they joined or the one time they tried to play a game. And I've been on that server for two and a half years or something. Like it's been a while, and and I have to say that I I have not seen very much negativity or like a negative attitude towards new players like it, it does happen i'm not trying to say that it doesn't because it does you know things slip by you know you can't be on there 24 7 you know what i mean somebody <laughs> well and it literally what happens is is somebody joins up and i'm going to overgeneralize here but this is a scenario that can and has happened um you know somebody joins up they're new they're new to ti4 they're unsure about what to do they, they end up wandering into the looking for group channel 
and say, hi, yeah, I'd like to play a game. And somebody's like, hey, I got five out of six players. I'd really love yeah. to get that six player. Come on in. Yeah. And you end up with a, a goldfish swimming with five sharks. Yeah, And absolutely. they just absolutely misuse the opportunity you know here they have an opportunity sure. you, like you or I were talking earlier an opportunity to introduce somebody to the game hook them on it have, make sure they have a great time and come back for more and instead they use it for an opportunity to drive their pathological psychological need to win at any cost right like I said. and they just tear the guy apart they may be verbally berating him because he's making stupid moves because he's new or they turn right around or they just completely let him make the stupid moves and then take total advantage of him so that he ends up yeah. being kneecapped and his home system wiped in like round two or three. And and then they're telling him he's got to finish playing out the game even though he's got like a cruiser and, and one ground force on one planet in the corner of the map and yeah. can't do anything. And now he's right. sitting there going, I got to sit here for another six hours. Right. Wait, yeah, I what? think it's it's particularly rough with a game like Twilight Imperium because it's so long that if you if you do happen to jump into a game like that, you're yeah. you're kind of stuck there. And you know, you're most people there. most people don't want to be that person who just quits a game, right? Like, yeah, pe and people don't want to let let down the other players at the table like that. So a new player kind of ends up feeling stuck in a scenario like that, which is really rough. Well, and and what does he end up doing? Either he does leave the game and just leaves in a huff and says, oh, I'm done with that. You know, those guys are, are monsters and I don't want to deal with, I'm never touching that discord again. Yeah. Or he does sit there and suffer through it. And then he just quietly leaves and doesn't say anything because he doesn't know anybody. He doesn't know he, to the leadership or the admins or anybody to, to trust them to, to reach out and say, Hey, this happened to me. He doesn't speak about it. He just quietly goes away and says, I'm going to try and forget about it. I, right. you know, and it's it's a real human psychological behavior that happens with traumatic experiences. People just they decide they want to put it away and not talk about it. Yeah, I, and like with a with a game like this, you you don't want to return to a group that you're going to have an eight, six to eight hour negative experience with. So it's totally understandable that you know if your first exposure to this big, I've giant I've made it a. I've made it a, a goal of mine when I can, as often as I can, if I see a learn to play game going, I, I will just stop in and introduce myself. If for no other reason than to say, hey, I'm here, this is who I am, I'm approachable. If something happens that you need to talk about or say about or you have a bad experience or something confuses you, ask me. And that goes for all my staff too. Ask us questions. Yeah, I, I do we, wanna say that in the past, in the past six months or so, as the, the community has grown so much and you've started um, kind of like enlisting more volunteers and stuff, I, I do feel like the experience has improved a lot for new players in, in a lot of ways. And I and I will admit that, I you know, as much as I say, hey, there's a lot of greatness, there are times in, in the history of the Discord when I have been somewhat absent um and and things have not been as happy a vibe as they are or can be at times now um sure. there there have been times where a lot of the admins were absent and just it was kind of the wild west yeah and uh you'd show up and there were a small groups of clusters yep. uh, of four I, or five or six people yeah. mm -hmm. 
who you know realized that they got along great and they played a lot of games together and there were some sharks rolling around trying to you know play as many games as they can because for some personalities quantity is a quality all of its own so they can play more games of ti that's great they don't care what the quality of the game is that's quantity i played 18 games of ti this week really okay (laughs) yeah um if that's your thing that's your thing but you know at the same time it's not everybody is going to play the same machine way that you are sure and so there have been times that i have not done well by the discord and i try to do better now the um I mean, even even in the recent past, one of the popular questions that comes up on the Discord is, and even you and I have in the past had similar related discussions, why does the Discord have two looking for group channels? One is enabled <laughs> fun games and the other is competitive games. What do these definitions mean? Are they real definitions? What What's going on there too? Why are, are we splitting the, the pool? And my answer to that is, of course, you look for a, if you're on the Discord for any length of time, you're going to see the same games advertised in both channels all the time. Yeah. yeah. To a great deal because they're they're trying to find that sixth player, and you know they're gonna they're gonna advertise as much as they can, and I right. and I will agree that mathematically odds one looking for group pool is going to mathematically produce the most games. But again, I, I, I argue that quality is important too. Good games, you know, six yeah. or seven good games will bring people back. Ten bad games, you're not going to have the same return rate. Yeah. And, uh, and This is a topic that, like you mentioned, we've talked about a lot and I've talked to various other people about and, and have expressed some strong opinions about um a concern for like splitting the community to such a degree that not enough games are getting played. But I do think that now that the community has actually grown large enough that that's not a problem, at least not with the type of division that that's going on right now with, you know, trying to keep competitive and fun games, not separated, but distinct from each other. Well, and people ask me, well, what's the definition? What makes it a fun game versus a, a competitive game? And I always look back at them and say, you tell me, because my purpose in splitting them was not necessarily to split the community, mm-hmm. but to nudge the community into a discussion about it and to recognize that there are different ways to play the game that are equally valid. You know, yeah. this table of six people will enjoy playing the game and it will have a very different personality, measure, table meta than another group of six. Sure. And you need to begin to talk about what kind of a game you're looking for. What kind of a game, what kinds of behaviors are you going to find allowable at the table and permissible? And what kinds of things will just drive you nuts and and just throw you into a, a blind rage? Um, yeah, let, and, let's... And so, I, so what, I, what I'm trying to do is just kind of get the community to begin to talk about that and be aware of that. So that way... When games do happen, hopefully, 
they can have a little bit of a talk about it beforehand so that the people are not just jumping into a game without th asking, well, what kind of a gamer am I getting into? Because right. that's a recipe for bad experiences. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so a couple of related questions, and I don't know if you've like kept a strong eye on trends like this or anything, but have you noticed in the last six months or so uh, or, or even just since you've kind of implemented the, those two different channels, have you noticed a, a like a decrease in the number of problematic games that get reported? I will say that it, the the problems. I won't say that the number of problematic games and the number of reports that I get has decreased, but the nature of the conflicts that have happened in those games has changed in flavor. Okay. Um, from what to what? Typically, previously, it was, and I used that metaphor earlier of the, the goldfish in the, in the shark pool. Mm -hmm. um, the, those were the kinds of things where I, I happened, where it was just somebody was just, they were playing with a strong personality and, and aggressiveness at the table that somebody just was not prepared for and they were pulling back. Sure. Now, when I see those things expressed, I can more clearly suss through the situation. It's more typically a, a really just genuinely a, a difference in play style. Um, some players want to show up and, and enjoy the role play of making a grandstanding speech for 30 seconds you know, when they're thinking about why and, and play it up because they want to play the space opera. They want to feel like they're they're guiding a, a, a race and a faction, faction, not a race, a faction, you know, through the space opera of, of you, what it means to be, you know, refounding the Imperium. Yeah. And they enjoy that storytelling element. It's not bad. The rules are the same either way. And it's, for me, if somebody wants to sit there and do it and that's how they enjoy the game, okay. You have other players, though, who are looking to play their 18 games a, a week who are like, I don't have the time for this grandstanding. Make your move. Right, yeah. And and they can be somewhat heavy-handed and you can just run into just personality conflicts of a different nature um, where it's just their, their personalities don't mesh. And that's where I think before the friction was so high that it, it, it boiled over and having, you know, kind of redefined how that happens and that conversation in the community because it's opened up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I see more second and third players in that game stepping in and saying, Hey, let's adjust this. Let's, let's, you know, let's not go there. That's great. And I see more you know, peer policing of, of bad situations when it comes up to say, hey, knock it off. That's just the way he enjoys the game or, you know. Yeah, well, I think I think that's so important in such a huge community where, like, there there's not, there, there aren't TI police, you know. And to a certain extent, each table needs to kind of be responsible for their own its game own enjoyment. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, and yeah, it's it's important that people start to find a voice and, and figure out that it's okay to be like, wait guys, we need to, to pause, 
for just a moment and like assess how each of us are enjoying the game and see if adjustments need to be made so that everyone has the game has a chance to enjoy it yeah exactly so that's 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 where we're going i mean and outside of that i you know some players absolutely love tournaments we could we can dive into that one um yeah i have have one more question before we before we get into that that topic um similar to the last one have you you guys have started doing learn to play games and like you have this little academy going and you have people who are assigned to be uh teachers instructors instructors. um have you noticed any greater retention of new players and starting to do that i think so it very much so um and a lot of it has to do with that relationship building that goes on in the academy games you have a group of new players who come together, play a game together for eight hours. They recognize that, hey, we're all new, but now I know eight people or six or five people really well that I know are about my skill level, about my familiarity level, and they are now my friends or at least acquaintances, people that are are familiar to me. And you start seeing them follow-up games will I'll, I'll look down the list and i'll be like oh hey those two are playing together again mm-hmm. those three are playing together again and uh i i see more of that going on and because they know somebody who's a more senior member and somebody who's on this on the staff more willing to talk up and 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 talk about things when they happen um yeah, I, and, so and I, even, even the academy though has been a a a sticking point in the back of my head for a while. And even I've had to do some careful work with that because for a while there, there was a perception when the Academy first started that I had to, to kind of crack a little bit. Uh, and it wasn't, and I, and I say this not like it was a huge problem, but just, it was something that I wanted to address before it, became a bigger issue you know in in if it kept going the direction it was and really started to cause a problem down the road you know just influencing mm-hmm. trends before they be- become problems sure there there was a a perception that the academy was there to get people ready to play ti4 on the tts discord so it's the new guys come in and you can teach them to play ti4 but more importantly you can teach them to play ti4 the right way because uh, they're trying try to indoctrinate new, them into the meta indoctrinate them into the meta teach them the meta and and so that when they show up they are ready to play with the sharks mm-hmm. wait what <laughs> uh, no <laughs> that's not what we're doing we want to welcome them to the community and and teach them how to play ti and and love ti and I'll let them come to understand that there are lots of ways to play ti before they end up in the shark pool and that way they they can recognize it for being a very competitive meta and and deal with it ahead of time and decide if that's something they want to do if they want to do their own thing and even this this coming weekend we're doing a cross discord exhibition game Uh, north america is sending a team in and europe's sending a team and the uk sending a team and australia new zealand i'm not going to forget about those new zealanders uh, are, so, are, are all putting a team together and we're just going to have an exhibition game and we're going to have a great time and yeah we're hampering on the rules a little bit just so that everybody knows what to expect but yeah. we're all grown ups and we're just like 
okay, we have an idea what to expect. Let's come together and let's have a great game. And if we need to adjust in the middle of the game, we'll adjust in the middle of the game. Everybody's going to have a great time. And that's that's our goal. So I have and one then, more I have one more question before we dive into competitive stuff, which I do really want to get to. Has there been an increase at all in the number of non-male members of the community in the last, I don't know, while? I I would like to think so. I certainly have uh, done my best to make sure that that folks who are both uh, deserving and and skilled and capable, regardless of gender or anything else, are are recognized and and doing stuff and welcome. Um, you know. Yeah, I I I do want to say that like of all the problems that might be found on this discord channel i've never seen any sort of like sexism or misogyny or the kind of stereotypical like male attitude that you might find at like a board game convention or something and i i mean i'm just another white male so i'm not necessarily going to see all that stuff but um from my perception at least it's been pretty friendly and open it's it's kind of a on the one hand, amazing or disturbing, depending on your attitude about these things. But we're a Discord with, well, I could, I'd have to go look right now, but we're on the order at this point when we're recording this, somewhere around 5.2, 5.3 thousand members. Mm-hmm. And uh, we might be starting to nudge towards 5.4, but I don't quote me on that. Certainly by the time this goes out. Um, our ban list is actually extremely short. Uh, <laughs> we we have only had to ban less than ten fingers worth of people as as permanent bans. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the ones that I do remember banning that was an instant hard ban was somebody who was spouting nonsense uh, and just absolutely being toxic to to yeah. some other members of the community uh who were transgender and i'm like nope done i'm not even gonna play this you need to stop now you didn't yep. stop done gone not even gonna think twice about it and uh just about uh, it was about a week and a half ago i want to say but my brain gets fuzzy on the exact when this conversation happened but i remember having this conversation um the subject came up and uh, I believe it was Defterus I was talking to. He said, yes, some of my friends who were transgender or transsexual or trans, you know, on, on the, the pan sure. spectrum. Um, have non, non-binary. Non-binary, yes. People. They're just people like anybody else. Yeah. That's my take. on it. it doesn't bother me one way or the other. Um, I don't think twice about it. Um, they said that yeah they'd, they'd come on the discord and they had had some bad experiences and they had left but he said that things were a world in a way different now and some of those friends had come back and he That's was awesome. glad to see them back not all of them did some sure. of them were done for good yeah no, it's, I mean, it's hard to hard to forget experiences like that for sure and uh, so you know if I have if, you, if, if, if you're one of those folks I, I would like to warmly welcome you back. Come on by. Yeah. 
definitely. All right, so let's let's talk about competitive TI. Um, you mentioned that there's there's kind of a new competition going on right now. Tell tell us about that. Um, we're having a a two v two v two v two. So we're having an eight player teams, quote unquote, uh, TI four game. Uh, we're going to set up an eight player map. Uh, two players from each of the major discords uh, that are out there now mm-hmm. um, and just to have an exhibition game for for friendly bragging rights and 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 rubbing each other's nose in the, in a win or a loss <laughs> but it's all just we we just it's all intended to just be good intention fun nobody yep. I mean I know I certainly don't care about really about who wins it'll be fun to win but you know what it can be absolutely glorious to lose too. That's so, the best part of TI. You know. And so we're gonna have this this competition and, and, and not even a competition, it's it's just like an exhibition game. We're gonna come together, we're gonna have a great time, and we're just gonna show that you could have a great time. Um and I think it was one of the last episodes oh and a couple episodes back on and even on Space Cats Beast Turtles, Matt or Hunter was talking about watching some of the community tournaments that had gone on with the, the TTS Discord. And just what fun-loving community events they were. The whole community yeah. came out. You know, there were. We have a tournament, and it's it's not just two or three people putting it together and doing all the nuts and bolts. You know, my my tournament support list is 20, 25 names of people yeah. who are all doing different things. Yeah. So and, so there have been a couple of recent, uh, fairly big tournaments. You guys had. Um, you guys had one that was the blue tactic blues homebrew yep. faction tournament um, yep. which a lot of people were very excited about that was pretty fun and then before that uh we had the 14 point tournament right which was 14 point very intense and as well very intense and and then there was a there was actually a franken tournament that was very low-key compared to the other ones it just mm-hmm. didn't timing wise we we hadn't really gotten into the swing of doing tournaments when it when it happened Sure. Um, yeah. But recognize that it's out there too. Um, yep. Yep. But uh, yeah, those those tournaments happen, and and we're using this exhibition game. Depending on when this goes out, it'll probably already be done with. Yep. Definitely. Um, <laughs> but we're we're getting ready to go into a, a holiday. Um, we're gonna call it a championship. We're gonna we're gonna call it a world championship because this is our last chance to have a world championship before Prophecy of Kings hits. Yeah, and uh, we're six teams from six different regions around the globe are going to come together and play games. One player from every team is going to be in every game. Every region is going to host a game in their own time slot, and we're going to have one map for all the games. And every team is going to have to play every slice. Uh, we're looking at it, we're gonna we're gonna pass out all seventeen factions twice with mm-hmm. two wild cards. So for 18 and 18 is 36. Hey, look, that's the same number of players we got. Um, so the math works out. And, uh, er, you know, so all the factions are going to be at play. Every faction in the game is going to get played twice. And we're just going to pile up the scores. What's the what's the total score for the, you know, the U.S. versus the U.K. versus Europe versus Australia versus Canada? And Australia, New Zealand, and rest of world. So we got. Did I get all six out there, or did I double up somewhere? 
Uh, I don't know. I wasn't keeping track, but I'll, I'll trust yeah. you. I, when you said Canada, I, I just want to, like... Canada, uh, U.S., Canada, U.K., Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and kind of a wild card rest of the world team. Sure. Um, and so, yeah. Do you think that competitive tournament, like, tournament, competitive tournaments, do you think that they are the the future of the community like as a whole do you do you see this becoming something that is a regular occurrence and getting bigger and bigger i i see it continuing to happen and you know and in the back of my head i'm thinking okay what's how often is too often how many tournaments can you happen obviously we're just starting to get into this idea it's new it's exciting people want to do it in the back of my head, you know, I'm going, okay, but it's all volunteer run. I don't want to burn out my volunteers because then they, 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 they stop volunteering and then, and then we have it just not a good cycle to get into. Yeah, and, and tournaments can be a lot of work even when they're just 36 players. It's still yes. a lot of uh, planning and a lot of scheduling and anything yes. could go wrong because if one player has a conflict suddenly come up it can throw everything out of whack very quickly yes and especially this world tournament coming up because there's actually fun shenanigans with that one i want to get into too uh, a little bit later but uh we're, we're planning on also doing some some charity events and and raising some money for doctors without galaxies i mean borders <laughs> uh, just with everything that's going on, it seemed like a, a fitting world-based charity that could benefit from some uh, some extra. You know, I, I know yeah. the the charity will raise a hundred bucks because I'm planning on donating a hundred bucks. And if we only raise a hundred bucks, we raised a hundred bucks, hey. and we had a great time doing it. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. Tell me about your your plans for like a charity. Event. We're, we're gonna have yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have a team prize that's you know the team plays their six games and they're done. Then we're going to have what I'm calling the captain's mulligan round, which is the team captains are not playing in the regular game. Uh, they're going to get roasted over the fire. The The mulligan's game, I'm going to do some math, and I'm going to assign each captain their worst faction for their team and the worst slice for their team. Uh, obviously, if there's a duplication there, i got to do some some adjustment. But sure. uh, it's their mulligan round. They get to try and do over and see if they can do any better. And uh, it's going to be a charity event, which means I'm going to lie, cheat, and steal, and stack decks, and and just generally make life miserable for them. And uh, <laughs> all, all in the name of a good time. And it's going to be audience audience participation on Twitch. If people want to donate and 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 buy cheats for their for their captain to try and help them out. Some Hunger um, Games level stuff. Hunger Games level stuff, and uh, we're just going to have a great time. And then awesome. after the captain's game, we're going to have our, our, our final championship, which will also be a, uh, a charity game. And each team is going to elect a player from their team to play in that game. And, uh, and they, they get the ultimate single you know, prize for the, the self you know, ultimate winner of the thing. But it's also going to be a charity game with, with all kinds of other shenanigans going on. And you know we'd love to have people coming out to to root their their teammates on and and just generally have a great time. 
So um, do you have any idea of scheduling for that? Like, do you know what time period you're looking to have those games? We're, we're looking to run uh, the semifinals through November and uh, finish the, the captain's game and the, uh, the final uh, early December. We want to get it done, try and, and uh, because Prophecy of Kings, we're guessing, we don't know, but my heart of hearts says knowing that their primary audience is the U.S. and shopping and releasing and timeframes. And when they released TI4, the original, uh, was right around November 19th and 20th. Yeah, it was was mid-November. The other competitive topic that I wanted to get into, because I think we both have some strong opinions about this, is leagues. And, uh, yeah, kind of like the what might be considered the next step after regular tournaments. Yeah. I, you know, for the, the main TTS Discord, I, I don't see us ever having a league on our Discord. We'll, we'll have standalone tournaments. Uh, I don't want to be doing stat tracking or anything like that. Yeah. A just because it's it's a logistical and 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 record keeping nightmare to think about. Hey, I got five thousand, six thousand people to try to keep. No, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I also don't want to encourage a- any kind of elitism or or hey, I, you know, I've I've played five hundred games. You've only played five. Who are you, noob? Right. Uh, we don't yeah. want that kind of thing to happen either. Yeah, I, I want folks to be. While I recognize that yes, there is a difference in skill level and things, but I, I want to encourage folks to be able to to mix and learn from each other, respectfully. Veterans can learn things from new players, and new players can learn things from veterans. Yeah, uh, and yeah, that, that's that's kind of the biggest sticking point for me with with the idea of a league is just that. Uh, the the whole stat tracking thing and like or having an, an elo or an mmr or whatever is is pretty naturally going to split the community in several ways and and i don't think that that's healthy yeah. for the game it, it doesn't even matter how big the community is right like it can be twenty thousand active people and it would still be a bad idea i think i you know but well i i I, I will politely disagree on that one to a certain extent in that for small groups that are very interested and that is indeed the way they want to play, mm-hmm. have at it. You know, sure. enjoy playing TI4 the way that you enjoy playing TI4. You know, I mentioned earlier in there making it about how it's a goal of mine to make sure the TI4 community is safe for everyone to play. That includes keeping it safe for the league players. Um, you know, they want to play a league. Awesome. It, you enjoy TI four the way you want to play TI four. The yeah. only time I'm got the only time I'm gonna have an issue is is when you start pushing your way of playing TI four to the point that you lose sight of respecting the ways that other people need to play and enjoy it their way. And yeah, yes, there is a there is a there is a dividing line there about oh well, what do you mean I got to give up some of my enjoyment for somebody else? Well, a little bit is okay, you know. A little yeah, bit of self restraint yeah. is just good for the community. It's I'm not telling you you can't do leagues or can't have fun doing leagues, but you know don't sucker somebody into a league when you know that just so that you can have another league member, when you know that that person's gonna hate it the whole time and not have a good time. 
sure. don't do that. But if you want to have a league and everybody who's in it wants to do it and consents to it and knows what they're getting to, go for it. Enjoy the whole thing. I mean, have a great time. The Aussie sure. Discord started a league. Mm-hmm. They are going through uh, a lot of discussions, and I've participated in some of those discussions, uh, sharing some of the uh, the wisdom that we've had on our own Discord, discussing leagues and, and some of the trials and tribulations uh, that we've already ruminated over as we uh even with just as we start doing our own tournaments yeah um uh just say hey these are the things that you might want to consider as you move forward i'm not going to tell them not to do things or to do do things but be aware that you might run into these questions and they're worth thinking about how you want to have or how you want to handle these things in the future yeah so Um, i i think that my my biggest thing about not wanting leagues, so the biggest reason for me is that my, my worst nightmare is someone trying to organize a game in the Looking for Group channel, and someone comes along and asks to join, and the other person says, what's your ELO? Yeah. I Oh, yeah, you're I not good enough. That. Yeah. yeah. Or, and, or, and I... or even the other way, like, oh, you're too good like you play too many games your your elo is too high we don't want to play with you like it, it can go both ways and and i it doesn't even matter if there are still 20 other games you know popping off that which, day it, it still would devastate me to see that kind which of is where what i'm doing now even with the division between casual and competitive is no no identifiers on the players themselves other than hey which channel they're advertising in or responding in you have experienced players and new players coming together and saying hi this is where i'm at in the game this is what i know i'm new is that okay you know understand where i'm coming from before the game even begins and having a discussion about it and new players welcoming uh, old players into their games and old players welcoming newcomers and saying yeah come on in no it's not a problem at all as long as you know you hit you, you know how to play TI4 and you've used TTS a little bit who cares if you're new to TI4 TTS come on in you know and willing to do informal teaching not everything is the academy and I get really annoyed when I see somebody say Hey, go to the you know go go figure out how to play in the academy, noob. I've seen that a few times, and I've snapped at a couple of people politely because <laughs> that's my nature. But I, I have politely stepped in to say, "Hey, that's not cool." Um, but just to you know, the academy serves as an example to say, "Hey, we as a community want to be welcoming," and I've seen that reflected in even just the the looking for group channel. You know, I I mentioned. Earlier, I talked about how oh, we got to have the academy to teach people to play. Well, the academy has also taught not just the newcomers, but the old timers how to treat the new people too. Oh yeah, like teaching a game is not a skill that everyone has, and and I, I'm sure that there have been you know people in your academy volunteer staff who aren't or weren't like natural teachers at the beginning that have kind of had to develop that skill over time sure and and but even 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 people who have never taught in the academy they they hear about the academy experiences they they see 
other, you know, people, instructors, you know, talking to new people outside of the academy in, in the channels and, and just giving an example of, hey, this is the value. The most fundamental human interaction is one person looking at another and saying, you're worth it. You're worth my time. You're worth my effort. You're worth my energy. You're worth my attention. And you have value. And the community sees the attention that the Academy and the Discord through the Academy is giving new people to make sure that they are treated well and welcomed. And it says, hey, we as a community want to... I, I, I see echoes of that even amongst people who have never had anything to do with the community. They say, oh, this is the standard. This is the, the new meta that we want to work for and that it has value. I, I show them that they have value and, and I think that the community has grown a great deal. I don't see a whole lot of, hey, go learn how to play swim in the shark pool in the academy anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't see that attitude in even amongst you know, some of the old guard. Eh, the old guard was ever really good. It, there has always been a very good core uh, leadership in the Discord and I appreciate the work that they do and have done for the past two years up and down the the the, the stairs yeah, yeah there, there are a lot of people who don't have you know the academy tag or the moderator tag or whatever on on their discord name that are still people who have been pillars in the like, community positive yeah enforcing like uh or and and there are a lot of folks that I have my eye on that I am waiting for an excuse to put a tag on them and I haven't <laughs> been able to come up with an excuse yet if I could just throw a tag on them I would and and I would say hey Thanks for volunteering, but you know that's the army side in me that wants to do that. Hey, voluntold. <laughs> All right, uh, but I Phil. can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's transition to our our last topic uh, for our conversation, which is uh, game design, which is something sure. that, that you've told me a bit about that that you're pretty passionate about. So tell me, I, I do. Tell me how that kind of first started for you. Oh, you know, it's I've been I've been uh, all through the years. Somewhere in in the high school, early high school, preteen years, I I just got an interest in in mucking with game systems and mucking around with stuff. In high school, I, I mentioned Dave earlier. You know, we always used to. There was one point where we literally were joking that we played a game once. Because after we'd played it once, according to the rules, we were changing the rules and homebrewing home and, and coming up with our own variants and, and changing stuff the next time we went to play it. So we only ever played a game once. Because the time we came <laughs> back to play it again, we were playing a different game. I, I mean, and, and the first game that I ever designed, really, from, from beginning to end was a game called Spheroids. And it was right after I was in physics and had learned about vector math and, and all kinds of stuff and conservation of motion so it was it was half simulation half auto duel battle tech robo rally you had nice what i called hover pucks little little round ships that were you were on a hex map that were bouncing around like a, a pinball machine on a on a map with rules for conservation of energy and momentum and inertia where in, and thrusters on them where you could thrust in a direction and you would start going that direction and you would keep going that direction until you turned around and started thrusting the other way 
or you bounced off a wall and were flying backwards and could then start thrusting it again to slow yourself down. And meanwhile, you were loaded up with rockets and machine guns and flamethrowers and, and just blowing each other up. <laughs> of course, yeah. You know, it was the perfect game for a brainiac and of a, of a, of a, of a kid in high school who was, you know, in honors physics and enjoyed complexity and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I go back and read the rules now and I go... I want to cut half of this out or try and figure out a way to simplify it now because I'm just too old for this complexity now. <laughs> um, I still have a copy of those rules. But anyway, wow. moving forward, you know, I, even even with TI4, I, I am uh, very active in, in the homebrew channels on our Discord, mm-hmm. talking to people about ideas, seeing what they come up with. I, I, I will sometimes nudge people and ask people questions about what they're proposing and say, oh, I, I won't tell them, I will never tell somebody that their idea is bad. I will simply ask them, is it your intent to have this consequence that I think that your idea will have? Sure. And because I'm concerned that it may have the following effects on the game, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. And, you know, because that's, that's the polite redirect. That's yeah. That's, um, that is a more constructive. Uh, and way to go about you it. know, and, and I I have a confession, Alec. Let me know. Lay it on me. Uh, if I if I go digging back in in, I, no secret. If you hang out on the Discord, you've probably heard me mention nobility at some time. Nobility was an expansion that I started working on a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, it was a homebrew expansion that I, I'd started on my own. And then the fire lit under me when I heard the Space Cats, Peace Turtles podcast about, you know, what would they like for an expansion? Sure. And I was sitting there in my car, and I distinctly remember it. I was driving down I-55 going, oh, they want that? I was already doing that. They want that? <laughs> I was already thinking that. They want that? Well, I was already doing that. And it was like a, it was not everything, but a, a surprising amount of, of their wish list was stuff that I already figured kind of needed to be done. Parallel convergent design is a thing. You start with the same base material. You're logical. You approach it thoughtfully. You tend to come up with the same answers, regardless of whether or not you're talking to somebody else working through the same material. Yeah. Uh, um, so I get that. I'm not saying I'm a super smart. It's just <laughs> convergent design. You know, it happens. But then there was a line in there where they talked about the mad scientist. And you said, oh, you're going to call me a mad scientist now. I got something for you. Wait till you see what I'm done. And uh, I've even got a a post somewhere in in my nobility that has a timestamp for that episode where they said this insulting thing to all the homebrewers. It wasn't really (laughs) that insulting, but it was funny to call it insulting. Sure. And uh, so, oh, I'm going to show them. Let me me whip this this, uh, homebrew together. And I spent a year, year and a half, very quietly assembling and revising. A lot of the ideas in there are not mine. It's because I've been slowly gleaning from the community over time a card here, a mechanic there, and just very carefully working to just stitch it all together into a cohesive, integrated, comprehensive expansion for TI4. So tell me tell me what happened uh, the day that you found out Prophecy of Kings was real. Well, I, I, I cannot say for certain, but 
because I do not know. We all know that Dane is in the community. Mm-hmm. But I got a I got a message from an individual uh, that may or may not be said person. I I honestly have no idea, but they said, "Hey, I, you very definitely need to finish that. You had some fascinating stuff in there that is worth seeing how it works out." Um, I don't know if it was Dane or not. I don't want to know, but I'm taking it to heart and I'm going to finish it because the reality is with convergent design about 80% of my mod is in Prophecy of Kings I had it in a different form slightly different mechanics but I was trying to accomplish a lot of the same goals and mm-hmm. to, and to resolve a lot of the same issues yeah, so there was I mean, a I lot mean, of similarity you I, saw you saw I sent you a, a copy I don't know if you poked yeah. through my list but yeah. it's like oh this is in POK this is in POK this is in POK uh, uh, this is implemented POK yep. but differently so I gotta pivot so I'm gonna finish it I gotta wait for POK to come out Prophecy of Kings to come out so that I can finish it but mm-hmm. I am doing some things that are not in Prophecy of Kings and I'm curious to see how it works out is your hope to uh, have your your homebrew expansion be something that can be played on top of POK or something that would be played instead of POK? On top of. Okay. People are going to want to play with POK. There's just too much cool stuff in there. I want to play with POK. <laughs> There's <laughs> cool stuff in there. There is. I, yeah. I, I, I don't feel subverted at all. I, I do have some some areas for expansion mm-hmm. that are not in POK. You want to have more roles than just speaker to pass around? I've got more roles than just speaker to pass around. You can be the Commissar. You can be the Inquisitor. You can be the Inquisitor that bans technology. Oh, you got Quantum David in notes? No, you don't. And 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 just all kinds of just nuanced, simple shenanigans is my goal. I, I want simple changes, simple rule shifts that are easy to understand and easy to implement, but allow for a, a varied and rich variety in gameplay that allows people to be smart, that allows people to be clever, and allows people to feel smart and feel clever and and just have a, a great time doing different stuff and sitting around a game table and having a great time doing it. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I have to admit, and I think that several people around the various Discord channels know this about me already, but I tend to be very critical of homebrew in general. Uh, but I and, and I think that Tactic Blue put so much work into his collection mm-hmm. of factions, and I don't think that they're perfect. I think that they have uh, plenty of development still to go, and I'm, I'm sure that he's actually did. He might have like put that on hold until POK is out. I don't know, but yeah, anyway, he's, he's still yeah. he's still like kind of working on it. Uh, but I I'm excited to see what people like you and Tactic Blue end up with you know down the road because i do think that even though i do i am super critical of of homebrew and and very skeptical i think that there's it's definitely possible to have good homebrew i just think that it takes a lot more work than than most people are are actually willing to put in yeah well and you look at the popularity and the fun that people had with the the tactic with the blue tournament yeah it was a wild time people were excited to try new stuff if 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 POK hadn't come and I'd have dumped mine on the community, my hope would be that I could generate half the fun that 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 Blue did. Yeah, that tournament was great. 
really was. I, I, I have done a couple of play tests and people have been like, hey, you look at the rules, you look at my spreadsheets, and it looks like an intimidating mess. But the reality is I didn't add a whole lot of craziness to it it's all very simple it's all very logical it's it's easy to it's easy to work through mm-hmm. can i give an example please do one of the the simple changes that i made and it plays out in a lot of different ways um is actually based off of my in real life copy of ti4 you open up my copy of ti4 and you don't find commodities and trade good tokens I have little plastic crystals that are in all the different player colors, and they are your commodities and your trade goods. Your the, the way you just read the rule is, if, if the rule says commodity, that means it's a trade good in your color. If you are holding a trade good in your color, it is worthless to you, it is a commodity. If you are holding a trade good that is somebody else's color, it's a trade good, and it's worth something. So when you generate commodities, you pull out a stack of crystals of your color. If you trade them to other people, now they have value. And then I have some some gold ones that are imperial trade goods that are just generically good trade goods for everybody. So like when you play trade, you get three trade goods, you grab three tra- three imperials, and then, you know, sure. everybody's refreshing their own. Gotcha. But where it, it plays into tricksiness is if I give those commodities to somebody else, they become trade goods. What happens when I get them back in a later trade? Sure. Yep. So now you're I'm I'm indirectly encouraging two things. Multiple trade partners and and figuring out more complexity involving more people in trade. So you just don't have like two people growing back and forth all day long making mad bank when everybody else is left out in the cold. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I also feel that there is, especially in the real world. A, a a human element that is and a psychological element that is important to have a a big pile of gemstones sitting in front of you that glowed over <laughs> and and physically there is something lost when you don't actually physically tra- hand something over when yeah, you go to give true. somebody trade goods I'm handing them trade goods they're giving me trade goods they are handing me trade goods there's a physical contact there that has value too yeah, yeah, that that's definitely something that, while it was definitely clever the way commodities and and trade goods were implemented, eventually, you know, people just get so comfortable with it that they just flip their own tokens over and they don't bother right. with the whole exchange. Which, yeah, I agree. Like you definitely lose something there. Yeah. So so for nobility, um, now there's an imperial treasury which has lots of different crystals of lots of different colors in it. So when you go to get money from the Imperial Treasury, you might be pulling random draws out of a bag. There's fun there. How many games do random draws from a bag? You might get a trade good of your own color, in which case, oh, hey, that was a bad draw. But you might get trade good of somebody else's color. You might get an Imperial trade good, which kind of has a little bit. It's not where it's worth like 1.01 trade goods in effective value because it's a good trade good for anybody. Mm-hmm, sure. And then I also could theoretically, and I may or may not stick with it, but you also could then do some set collection stuff. I, I know that I've got a couple of uh, victory conditions that I was playing around with where it was, have a trade good for each of the players to your right, the two players to your right. Have a trade good for each of the two players to your left. Now in a three-player game, that's all the same people. But in a six-player game, now you're deliberately trying to, to pick up somehow, either from the Imperial bag or from direct trade, 
trade goods that belong to certain people. Now you have a reason to go to those people, even if you don't want to, uh, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So it's it's I'm looking to promote more interaction and more reasons to do different things. I, that's it's just a, one example. An, I mean, an intriguing an intriguing idea. And and I and I'm try and I one of my tenets though is simplicity. If it's not fun added, get rid of it. If it's if it's fun, it can stay. Well, Phil, I think yep. I think it, the time has come for us to wrap up with uh, a few more rapid fire questions. Uh, sure. To help, you know, listeners uh, get an even better idea of who you are. Um, Bring it. All right. Awesome. Question number one: What is your favorite TI faction? I have a soft spot for the Federation of Soul, but I think that's my military background. Might and have just, might have a little to do with that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is your? I, I am the Commissar Custodes. What is your least favorite TI faction? Least favorite TI faction. I am not a huge fan of. Believe it or not. I, I'm not a huge fan of of uh, the Mentet. I, I don't know why, what it is about them that just... They make sense. They're a logical faction. I understand how they work and why they work and why they need to do what they do. And it just... I, I think I just had a bad experience early on in my TI career sure. with somebody extorted me and it just it left a bad taste in my mouth and i if i if i ever end up with that faction in my hand i'll pass on it i i will play muat i will play winu before i play the mentat <laughs> uh, so the, the answer to this next question might be the same uh, but what is uh, what's a, what what faction do you hate playing against the most oh I, sar annoys me ah yep feel that my friend feel I, the sarball i i just okay bring it <laughs> I, I will find a solution to just break up your break up your sarball I, I will take one for the table and and blow up your sarball just so that nobody else has to deal with that nastiness anymore i don't care if it loses me the game keep your sarball away from me bring it over here at your own risk excellent all right moving away from ti now uh phil what is your favorite word word yep uh, I, I tend to throw glorious around a lot um yeah it's a good I, word it, yeah glorious I, my favorite phrase is is i say it a lot at work is is i just i look at people and I say you're worth it it's good and it's good that's a good choice too i'll let you go yeah. uh what is your least favorite word intolerance nice what sound or noise do you love? Chickadees chirping away at about 3.45, 4 o'clock in the morning out in the countryside where you just, you're waking up in a tent or a cabin and they're just singing their hearts out to the world. That sounds peaceful. Yeah. What sound or noise do you hate? There's a sound that I will never forget, and um, 
I was doing a transport for a gentleman who was expectant. He was going to hospice care. And I said, nobody ever died on me, and it's true. But we got him to hospice. His breathing was rough. It sounded like somebody was dragging a bowling ball up and down an old-fashioned washboard, if you know what that is. Yep. And got him off the elevator, got him down the hallway, got him turned over to the nurse. Uh, she helped us move him over to the, to the bed there. And she's like, hey, I'll meet you down at the station here. You know, let me just finish getting him comfortable. And not two minutes later, she came walking down to the, the nurse's station and said, where do you need me to sign? He just passed. That's a sound you never forget. Yeah, that's, uh, and that's rough for anybody. That's one of the reasons that I will always do what I can to take care of people. Because you never know when your last moment is going to come. And people are worth it. People are worth being taken care of. Absolutely. And and hey, just uh, a little little thank you from me on behalf of the community for taking care of it so well. I think you do a really great job. You're worth it. <laughs> You're worth it too, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> what profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? Oh, I don't know. If I had it all to do over, what would I have gone into? Sure. Uh, teaching. I think you'd be a pretty good teacher, yeah. Uh, what profession would you not like to do? Uh, you know what? I, I, I've worked in a kitchen professionally, uh, briefly. That is a job that is not for me. <laughs> Hats off. I, I've got a very good friend who is a, a professional executive staff chef and has worked in some very notable restaurants over the years. He loves it. It is the right job for him. He's good at it. Oh, God, is he, he, oh, his food is amazing. It's not for me. <laughs> All right, Phil, my last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh, <laughs> this is a funny one, because I was actually having this discussion the other day with a prospective chaplain uh, who was looking to join the Illinois Guard. And I said that for me personally, because my faith is not something that I, I wear on my sleeve. I don't talk about it. I don't pull it out, which is funny considering I work in the chaplain corps. Sure. A lot of people <laughs> wouldn't know what my faith background is, and they work with me all day, every day. Uh, but I would say that my faith is the kind of faith where I believe that if in this world I I can manage to give up my seat to somebody else, who would not have made it into heaven, even if it means that I don't go, I'd love to to give him my seat. So God telling me, hey, I still got a seat for you, means something. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm sure that he has a seat that uh, is going to stay empty for you for a long time. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, Phil, uh, for this almost two hours of conversation. I appreciate it. It's been really, really great and a lot of awesome insight. No worries. Take care, my friend. I'll see you around the gaming table. The fire's nearly out and you probably need a refill. Thanks for listening from Matt Martins, Hunter Donaldson, and myself, Alec Keeler. I hope you had a cozy time and I'll see you again for the next one. Thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music, which you can find more of at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com.